Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Thursday morning, May the 26th, 2022. It is 7.03 on your Thursday morning, and uh, good morning and welcome to the uh, to the show here on AM 1490 and uh, 104.9 FM as Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Glad to be with you for the next couple of hours here. We got lots to talk about today, uh, plenty of of collegiate uh, items to uh, to talk about, you know it's it's always one of those things like I you know uh, when I close out the show on a you know, on a particular day, I write a promo that is going to run for the next you know twenty two hours or so, kind of you know giving a, a teaser about what I'm going to be talking about the next day, and inherently I rarely get to talk about it because something else happens or some news happens in the world of sports that makes me divert that particular topic or something to to another time. Uh, you know, I, I guess I knew that I would be talking Pac-12 baseball, which we're going to talk about. I knew I'd be talking some NBA, which we will be talking about. Uh, I had a feeling that we were going to be talking some college basketball as it was getting closer and closer to uh, Henry Visar signing with the Wildcats, which he did yesterday, and which we will talk about because there was a lot to uh, to be said about uh, about that specifically. Just you know, more people kind of uh, coming out and discussing what kind of a player he is to give you a, kind of an idea of what uh, what Tommy Lloyd just brought in with his second Estonian player. Um, and you know, I knew I was going to be talking NFL because we talk NFL every day here on the Jeff Dean Show. That is my promise to you. I did not know, however, how much to the extent of the NFL we would be talking, and there is quite a bit of NFL to talk about today. Specifically, Colin Kaepernick working out with the Raiders, and a uh, you know uh, you know in the Raiders, you know in the news of you know in, in that area there in Nevada as well, uh, as a judge ruled in favor of John Gruden in his uh, motion against the NFL. So, very interesting stuff. I have a lot of. Uh, a lot of opinions on both uh, and, you know, several facts and things like that as well that we're going to talk about when we get into the NFL. But we're going to begin with the Pac-12 baseball tournament, the inaugural Pac-12 baseball tournament, Arizona, uh, getting the, you know, getting into the record books with a lot of firsts uh, in the Pac-12 baseball tournament because they were the first team to play along with the Oregon Ducks. The Wildcats were the first team to get a hit in the Pac-12 baseball tournament, the first team to score a run, the first team to hit a home run, and most importantly, the first team to get a win in the Pac-12 baseball tournament as they beat Oregon 8-6 to yesterday. Um, they pretty much led the whole way. They were up 2 nothing, then up 3 nothing. Uh, Oregon came back, was down 3-2, then the Wildcats went up 5 uh, 5-2, then it was 5-4, and then the Wildcats just continued to extend and extend and extend. And look, R- Oregon's offense was relentless. I mean, they were, uh, you know, they continued to uh, uh, to put the pressure on Arizona's pitching staff, and Chip Hale went through a lot of pitchers yesterday. I mean, you, if you look, at the, you look at the box score, it didn't just begin and end with the starter for the Wildcats. 
Dawson Nets got the start. He went two and two-thirds, gave up two earned runs, didn't walk anybody, had a strikeout, uh, but he threw 31 pitches in the game. Then went to Pimental, who pitched an inning and a third. He gave up no runs, three hits, but no runs. Uh, then Chris Barraza came on, pitched an inning and a third. He gave up three earned runs, uh, gave up a home run in there uh, uh, as well. Uh, Eric Orloff came in, got the win, pitched only two-thirds of an inning, uh, did did Orloff, only threw 13 pitches. Quinn Flanagan, of course, uh, the Arizona star, uh, star arm out of the bullpen. He has been fantastic all year long, one of the best relievers in the in the conference and in the country for that matter. Uh, he made his 30th appearance in the season last uh, yesterday uh, in Scottsdale, pitched a full two innings, gave up only four hits, uh, gave, or gave four hits in those two innings, no strikeouts, or one strikeout, no walk, sorry. Did throw 28 pitches, uh, lowered his season ERA to 1.40, and then Trevor Long came in and uh, closed the door on the Ducks in the final inning, got an inning pitch there uh, through 12 pitches. So it, Chip, Chip Hale, you know, digging into the bullpen there uh, as kind of expected. And, you know, we'll see what happens today. I'm, I'm guessing, you know, that, uh, that Garrett Irvin is going to get the start today. In fact, I believe that was already announced that he's going to be starting today against Stanford. Um, but yesterday in the game, it was Golden Spikes Awards semifinalist and all-everything catcher for the Wildcats, Daniel Susak, who looked every bit the part of a Golden Spikes Award winner as he went three for four yesterday, hit two home runs, had three RBI, hit a monster shot over the left field wall. Uh, Scottsdale is a uh, – it's, it's not an easy park to homer in. I mean, I, I've, I've seen – as a Giants fan, I've seen – dozens and dozens of games there as a Giants announcer during spring training I've seen even more games uh you know over the last couple of years there and it just it's it's not an easy place to hit home runs uh there are some nights where it it will it will carry uh but a lot of times during the day it doesn't and yesterday the Wildcats were muscling up and hitting balls out of the ballpark especially to left field where it can be somewhat difficult so uh credit to the Wildcats for muscling up on a few of those Getting two home runs out of Daniel Susak was is is just awesome. He he's been great in, in big games. I mean, you can just he's he's a fantastic player. He's he's he is a great player. He'll go down as one of the more memorable, I think, players in Arizona Wildcats history. A long list of very very memorable players, and he fits right in with uh, with all of those guys. He is big in big moments. He plays well in big games. Uh, and he's just as solid as can be behind the plate. So glad to have him, and uh, he's he's hitting well. He's playing well, and uh, they're going to need him today because they take on the hottest team in the entire country today in Scottsdale is Stanford, the number one seed and one of the top teams in the entire country, had a 12-game winning streak going into the Pac-12 baseball tournament. That's tough to do in conference play in college baseball. It's just I mean, it, it's just it's really, really difficult to rattle off that many wins in a row because of the teams that you're playing, the amount of travel involved, and the frequency in which you're playing. You're often, you know, waiting a week between series. Sometimes you may mix in, you know, they'll mix in the Tuesday and or Wednesday games with, you know, some regional team, which often can be a problem for teams as well. So for Stanford to have had a 12-game winning streak coming into the to the postseason, is incredible. They drew number eight ASU 
a team who has just given up like a thousand runs this year. I mean, they, they've given up. Their pitching staff has just been really, really bad. Their bats have been great, but their pitching staff is awful. Uh, and Stanford won that game six three yesterday. Kind of more of a of a of a low scoring game than I think a lot of people had expected because of Stanford's offense. Of course, they have the leading home run hitter. He hit a home run yesterday, by the way. Um, and uh, and and they beat ASU. So they send ASU to the losers bracket alongside Oregon. Those two will play this morning in about two hours. First pitch is scheduled for nine oh seven a.m. Uh, as Oregon will be hosting ASU in an elimination game. Uh, meanwhile, Stanford and Arizona will play. The first pitch is scheduled for 445 today. Um, and like I said, that'll be a Garrett Irvin game. It's going to be ace versus ace for Arizona today and the opportunity for a big win. I mean, Stanford's got to lose eventually, right? I mean, they're not just going to keep winning and winning and winning. So, uh, I mean, I guess they potentially could, but, um, you know, they, they've got to they've got to lose at some point. So why not today? And that would be great for Arizona if they could get the win today over Stanford. I mean, they've they've proven they can they can play with the likes of Stanford. Arizona has a a really nice resume, which I'll lay out here in just a moment. <clears throat> but they you know they have proven that they can play with the likes of the best teams, not only in the conference but the best teams in the country. If Arizona were to win today's game against Stanford, they would get Friday off and get put into the winners bracket on Saturday and they would play the early game at 9 a.m. on Saturday. So they would get a, a, a well-deserved day off tomorrow and then get to play in a, you know, in a, in a game that they would not have fear of elimination in the, uh, in the opener on day four of the tournament. Now, on the other end of the bracket, there was an upset last night and in a game that started after 10 o'clock. The game started at 10.18 p.m., and a game that went until 1.30 in the morning as Cal upsets UCLA by a score of 4-1. to one. UCLA, uh, obviously I didn't see the game. I wasn't there. Uh, it took them forever to get uh, like on the board. I, I think they scored their run in the bottom of the eighth inning with like one out in the bottom of the eighth, finally scored a run after being down 4 uh, you know, for the most part of the game. Cal has been an interesting team lately. I, you know, I, I just – check the scores every week you know I check the scores from the weekend in Pac-12 baseball and the one thing I've noticed is every time I scout I you know I scroll past Cal it's like they scored 22 runs they scored 15 runs they scored 16 runs they scored 19 runs I'm like what in the world is going on Cal scoring all these runs lately and they have been on a bit of a tear uh and yesterday it was their pitching obviously as they hold UCLA to one run now it's interesting because I I know that Scottsdale has very strict rules uh, there as far as at the baseball stadium because of where the where Scottsdale Stadium is. It's right there. It's it's on Osborne, and it's you know it's essentially you know it's a residential district for the most part. Um, there's not houses right next door to it, but there are homes and apartment buildings and such in the immediate vicinity of the uh, of the ballpark there. And they have a a strict, uh, essentially a, a strict curfew, where baseball games cannot begin after 10 p.m. As far as I know, and that game started at 10:18 last night. So I'm not sure 
how that all worked out. I'll, I'll be talking with, uh, with my contacts from there today. I'll probably throw in that question and be like, hey, how did you guys get around the whole curfew thing in Scottsdale last night? I guess, I mean, it, the game had to be played. Um, and the reason it was played so late is because the Oregon State-Washington game, they, they, like those two teams couldn't stop hitting. Like they were just, it was just a hit parade. And I think 17 pitchers were used in that game. It, I, it's incredible. Oregon State outlasts Washington 13-8. to As Oregon State's pitching has just gone in the tank lately. Um, but 13-8 to in that game in a game that took four hours and 32 minutes to complete. Four hours and 32 minutes, a game that started at uh, 4.45 as, you know, as scheduled. They, they scheduled like the morning sessions and then the afternoon sessions. You would think that that would be uh, enough, but no. The game, of course, took over four and a half hours to complete. And with, with baseball, it's not like basketball where you can play back-to-back games where teams can, you know, the players can warm up. In, in the tunnel or, you know, on a little, you know, practice court or something like that, get their warm-ups going, come out, do a quick, you know, 15-minute warm-up if they're, um, you know, you know if, if, the, if the venue is pressed for time, essentially. Uh, do a, you know, just a, uh, do a layup line, you know, do some stretching, get a couple of shots in, and get ready to go. Baseball, you have to, you, you have to allow the, the time for the hitters to get their timing going with a batting session. You have to allow the pitchers to warm up properly so that people aren't hurting their arms and such. You have to allow the infielders to get their uh, <clears throat> infielders and outfielders to, you know, to shag the, the fly balls and the ground balls and get warmed up. It takes a while. Like, you need at least, well, according to uh, the Pac-12 rules, you need at least 45 minutes in between games for teams to, to warm up properly. And that's another, you know, big part of the issue. So the game that started at 4.45 went four and a half hours. Then you have to wait 45 minutes for the next game to start because the next two teams need time to warm up, and you can't warm up at the same time on the field. So it's, it's a it's, – look, this is a learning process for the Pac-12 and a situation where they may want to put the first round of games maybe on a second field somewhere. Um, you know, or it, it, I, I don't know if if the Diamondbacks and the Rockies would offer, uh, you know, offer their fields up, but you know, just you know, eight miles away, seven and a half, eight miles away, are the Salt River Fields, and you could play a session, you know, uh, you know, two games there. You could play two games at nine a.m. and then two games at noon or whatever, you know, the the, the forty after the forty five minute wait or whatever, like one thirty maybe. And then that'll be your first round. <clears throat> so that way you don't have what happened yesterday with a game ending at one thirty in the morning. Like, it's just, I, I, you know, it's weird because Daniel Susak, he was, you know, he was interviewed after the game, obviously, and they asked him you know, what it was like playing at 9 o'clock in the morning. He's like, well, I was up at 5. And then, so Daniel Susak was awake at 5 yesterday morning, yet there were players playing at one thirty in the morning. I, not on the same team, obviously, but I don't know. Uh, it just, it seems a little, mm, uh, I, it, it seems a little much, in my opinion, uh, to have, you know, these play, these players and these teams do this um, that late into the night. And again, if you're, if you're breaking curfew in the city of Scottsdale, obviously there's going to be some kind of a price to pay for that as well. So, um, you know, it's possible they could they could figure something out. Look, it could happen again today because same thing is going on 
uh, at Scottsdale Stadium today. 9 a.m., Oregon and ASU will have their first pitch. 45 minutes after that game ends, UCLA and Washington will play. And then Arizona and Stanford have a scheduled first pitch at 445. Depending on how long that game goes, Oregon State and Cal will then play 45 minutes after that game has ended. So we could see it again. Look, college baseball, if you've been to to games at high C or if you watch games on TV, you know that college baseball oftentimes – it's it's a long game. It's a really long game. And sometimes aggravatingly, almost to the point of unnecessarily long. And I know that these guys are just out there trying to win. And these you know now that you've got expanded rosters to 30, that the coaches want to see a lot of guys out there, kind of see what they've got, uh, you know, throw an arm out there for, you know, for a few batters and such like that. I mean, it's the nature of the beast, and I and I want them to you know to be able to, I guess, explore all of the options to try to win the game. But man, oh man, four and a half hour game. That is, the game didn't go extra innings. <laughs> like it was a regulation length game, four and a half hours. So especially with it being you know it was 106 yesterday, it's supposed to be even hotter today. So I you know. Maybe the Pac-12 will learn something from this and maybe make some changes, or you know, I don't know what what could be done. I mean, there's another field, obviously at Scottsdale. There's you know, there's a there's a, a, a separate field that they could use, I suppose, to warm up and shorten the the distance, you know, shorten the, the amount of time needed between games. You just need to freshen up the infield and such, and you know, water it down. But they they can do that between innings. So, you know, I know they want to repaint the lines and stuff like that. Okay, well, that takes 10 minutes. Uh, you can do all that. I mean, you could probably shorten that 45-minute window to 20 and at least help a little bit maybe. You know, because by the time you sandwich those together, you get two. If you shave 25 minutes here, shave 20 minutes, 25 minutes there, you got almost an hour that you're shaving off. And that game would have started at 9.15 instead of 10.15 and ended at 12.30 instead of 1.30. I know I'm just kind of maybe splitting hairs here, but. It just seems awfully late to be starting a game at after ten o'clock at night, uh, you know. And again, these look these are these are college kids. Ten o'clock at night is nothing to them, right? We get that, but uh, I don't know. To be competitive, I, obviously UCLA didn't they they didn't show up for the game. <laughs> I don't know what their what their excuse was, but they didn't show up uh, regardless. End up losing that game to Cal in the upset. So uh, look, this is all. Breaking out kind of interestingly for Arizona, you know, day two, the matchups, Oregon, of course, hosting ASU at nine, as I mentioned, that's an elimination game, loser goes home. UCLA hosting Washington, elimination game, loser goes home. Stanford at Arizona at 445, winner gets Friday off and into the winner's bracket on Saturday to play the early game. And then Oregon State hosting Cal in the same situation where the, the winner of that game will get to get Friday, will have to get, will, will get the opportunity to take Friday off and play in the second session of Saturday. Well, and that game will start 45 minutes after the first game ends. Now, there's a possibility Saturday that they won't even need the other two time slots because if if the, if both teams continue to win, if the teams in the winner's bracket on Saturday both win and eliminate the team that had a loss going into that game, then you don't even need the afternoon game. So there's a potential there that Saturday could be a real short day for the uh, for the Pac-12 tournament. And then of course championship game 
on Sunday night at 7 p.m. That will be on ESPN2, thankfully. Uh, you can at least watch the championship game if you have you know, anything other than cable TV uh, for the Pac-12 network there. But, uh, yeah, ESPN2 carrying the championship game on Sunday night. Let's hope that uh, Arizona is able to uh, make an appearance in that game. That would be great. As far as Arizona's resume goes, it look, it's looking pretty good. With the win yesterday, they move up to number 36 in the RPI. It gives them 11 wins over uh, top 50 RPI teams and seven wins over the top 25. So that's a, that's a, that's a pretty good resume. I think that's a solid enough resume to get in. I would still, obviously, uh, you still want Arizona to win. I, want, I mean, I'd, I'd love for Arizona to win the whole damn thing. I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> that would certainly be a wonderful boost. I mean, you, you play to win the game, as they say. Uh, and, and, you know, you want to win the tournament. But I think if, you know, if Arizona's journey ends early, if they happen to lose today to number one Stanford and end up losing again in a rematch, you know, probably because Oregon is probably going to beat ASU today. So that means that Oregon would move on to play Friday. Arizona would probably play them again if Arizona loses to Stanford. And if Arizona ends up losing to Oregon on that day, if, if the journey ends early for the Wildcats, I still think the resume is good enough to get into the postseason. You can always help yourself because you never know. You can't count on other teams just to follow chalk. There's going to be upsets. There's going to be big upset victories in other tournaments and such across the country, and you, you just have to rely on yourself to win games to get in. All right, I'm going to take a timeout. When I return, we'll talk some NBA. Is the Celtics smother the heat last night? Is it over for Miami? We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Well, in one of the worst games you'll ever see in basketball last night, Eastern Conference Finals, what a dog that series has been. And I mean absolute trash. The Eastern Conference Finals. This is the number one and the number two seeds in the East, and these two teams can't get out of their own way. Last night, in Miami, in front of a a crowd that almost seemed like, eh, I don't know if we know so much, if we care so much about this team. Like, the crowd was just kind of like, normally Miami crowds are hype, man. Last night, I was watching the game and just like, I don't know. It seemed like everybody was just kind of disconnected. And, and look, maybe, and rightfully so, people just aren't in the mood right now. And, you know, in light of uh, certain events, uh, it's, it's very possible. And I sure as hell wouldn't blame them. But last night in Miami, the Boston Celtics just absolutely smother the heat, winning 93-80. to 80. The starting five for Miami was about as awful as you can be. I, and I mean, really, like they were as bad as it gets. Bam Adebayo was scored 18 and 10. Okay? He, was, he was far and away the most impactful player for the Miami Heat last night. He was minus 23 in the game, on the plus minus. Minus 23. The Miami Heat were 7 of 45 from beyond the arc. That's 15.6%, folks. P.J. Tucker took five shots from, the, from beyond the arc. Why? He was one of five. Jimmy Butler was terrible. He couldn't hit anything. He's obviously still bothered by the knee. He was one of five from beyond the arc. Uh, Kyle Lowry missed every shot he took last night. In fact, he scored zero. 
They got zero from their point guard. <laughs> Max Struess missed every shot he took. Their starting backcourt, Miami's starting backcourt last night, was 0 for 15 from the field, scored four points, and dished out three assists. That is as bad as it, like, it literally does not get any worse than that. You cannot play worse than they did. Just horrible. <laughs> and then, you know, I, I know that uh, that uh, Tyler Hero didn't play in the game, so he was a you know he was a uh, an injury scratch early. Uh, but Duncan Robinson, who's a you know a hired sniper, he was three of ten from beyond the arc. Gabe Vincent, who's also a hired sniper, he was one of seven from beyond the arc. Like just terrible, I mean, awful. Fifteen percent from beyond the arc. Thankfully. Boston really wasn't making their shots either. They only shot 30% from beyond the arc. They weren't good. Jason Tatum was bad again last night, although his stat line, 22-12-9, looks great. I don't think Jason Tatum played well. Uh, defensively, he played extremely well. I thought Jason Tatum was really good defensively, and that's indicative of his plus-minus you know, plus minus of 17, uh, plus 17 in the game. But Jalen Brown was the, was the man last night, hitting big shot after big shot after big shot, five of nine from beyond the arc. He pours in 25, and the Celtics are now one win away from winning the Eastern Conference Finals and moving on to the NBA Finals to take on what is most likely going to be the Golden State Warriors as they look to close out the Mavericks tonight in San Francisco. I believe that team will carry the focus that they had in the fourth quarter of their blowout loss the other night into the uh, the opening quarter of this game. I honestly don't expect this game to be very close. I think the Warriors win going away far, far, far and away. Uh, and I think that the, the Western Conference Finals will be decided tonight. And then we'll have to wait until tomorrow as Game 6 is in Boston. We'll see if Miami can muster enough to, uh, to get through it. Really, and, and on, like, honestly, for, for Boston, you know, both of these teams have been fighting a lot of injuries this, in, in particular in this series. You know, I mentioned Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler with the bad knee. He's obviously not himself out there. Marcus Smart has missed a lot of time, as has Robert Williams. Uh, he's missed time. And, you know, really, you know, it's been an interesting kind of, uh, uh, I guess, a revolving door of point guards for Ime Udoka. Last night it was Derek White, who they acquired in a trade with the San Antonio Spurs. Like San Antonio Spurs made their first trade in like a decade this year, and it was for Derek White. They were like the... The, the Celtics were like the silent third team in the deal. Ended up getting Derek White. He played 29 minutes last night. It was spectacular uh, for them. And they've also used a lot of Peyton Pritchard in the, uh, in the series as well. Although undersized, he has been effective in the series. So I like the way Boston's being coached more than I like what Spolstra is doing with, with Miami. And, again, I think Spolstra is really, really hampered uh, because he just has an interesting uh, – he has a weird collection of talent. Like – that team is just – it's one of the most oddly constructed rosters I've seen. And it's, it's interesting. That, you know, they're a culture team. They're a lot like the New England Patriots in the NFL. They're a team of culture. They know who fits in that building. Although I don't know if Jimmy Butler is that guy. Like, he's constantly fighting with people. I've heard all kinds of crazy stories about Jimmy Butler and him fighting with teammates and coaches and stuff. So uh, I'm not exactly sure about that. But nonetheless – the Miami Heat one win away, or I'm sorry, the Boston Celtics one win away from putting away the Miami Heat. That game will be played tomorrow in Boston, uh, game six on TNT. You know, one of the things I love about betting the my favorite sports 
you know, whether it be the NFL, as soon as the NFL season comes around, can't wait for that. But recently it's been Major League Baseball, having some fun with that. Got a, uh, a nice payout on a, on a dinger, on Dinger Tuesday on FanDuel Sportsbook. But it's also been NBA playoffs and Stanley Cup playoffs as well. And you can combine all of your favorite sports into something called a same-game parlay plus, and you can only find them on FanDuel. Like I said, you can, you can combine NBA player props with NHL props, with Major League Baseball props, any way you want it. You can add, you can do three legs, four legs, eight legs, whatever you like to do. You can customize your same game parlay plus your way. And if you don't want to build your own same game parlay, you can always check out the popular same game parlay section where you can join the bets that other users have been jumping on throughout the day. And if you're new to FanDuel, sign up with my promo code DEAN, that's D-E-A-N, to get your first bet, uh, first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Now, you're going to notice that when you win a ticket, and you will win, trust me, you, I mean, you, you'll, you're not going to go over uh, your life. And it, look, it's, it, gambling is, uh, is, a, is, is a boom and bust kind of situation. It's great when you win, and it sucks when you lose. But when you win, the best part about FanDuel is the lightning-fast payouts. I mean, like, I won a, a, an SGP Plus two nights ago, three nights ago, and literally, I checked the score of the game, and I was like, oh, that one came through. And I went over to FanDuel. I was like, I wonder if it's gone through. And sure enough, it was already in my account. Lightning fast payouts there. So make every moment more and download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Use my promo code DEAN so that they know that I sent you so you can get access to the other great promotions that they're running right now on FanDuel. 21 and over and present in Arizona. First online real money wager only. Refund is issued as non-withdrawable site credit. It expires in seven days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342. The NFL uh, continues to wow and amaze with uh, some of the news and things that comes out. And we have some really interesting developments from yesterday, overnight, and this morning. We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show. We'll talk some more local stuff in hour number two. We'll kind of break it up a little bit. Don't get a chance to talk too much NFL in the first hour. A lot of times I... I go heavy topics, you know, topic of the day in the first hour. Second hour is usually a little bit more uh, riffing, picking up some things that I thought were interesting and then expanding on them. But there is a, uh, you know, a story essentially that came out yesterday in the NFL, two of them to be exact, uh, yesterday that need a little bit more attention and things that we're going to carry for a little bit here on the show today. The first one being that it was reported by Adam Schefter that Colin, Colin Kaepernick, former NFL quarterback Colin Kaepernick, and yes, I am saying former NFL quarterback. It's been six stinking years since he's been on an NFL field. Give it up. Last played football in 2016, was given a workout by the Las Vegas Raiders yesterday in a uh, as apparently a closed doors uh, type of workout for the uh, for the Raiders. Now the Raiders currently have. Uh, four quarterbacks on the roster. They have Derek Carr, of course. He's not coming in to take Derek Carr's job. They made the trade in the offseason for Jarrett Stidham from the from the New England Patriots. 
They have Nick Mullins on the on the roster who's had several starts in the NFL somewhat recently, uh, several starts with the 49ers, has some wins also in, in his uh, on his resume as a uh, as a third string starter for the 49ers. And then they also have Chase Garbers, former Cal quarterback. He's on the roster as well. So they brought in Kaepernick for a workout. What does this all mean uh, for, you know, for essentially for the NFL, for Colin Kaepernick, for the Las Vegas Raiders? One thing is for sure, that the media will continue to lose their minds anytime Colin Kaepernick sniffs a football field. Like, anytime Colin Kaepernick is on a football field with a football in his hands, the media just loses their damn mind. Like, I swear. And everybody wants to go to their their computer or their phone to start either tweeting out or typing up that next article about how Colin Kaepernick should be a starter in the NFL and he's still got what it takes and blah, 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 blah. He was at the Michigan spring game this year during halftime. Jim Harbaugh brought him in to, you know, to throw, throw the football to some, uh, to some players and stuff and, you know, have a little fun there at the, at the Michigan spring game. It was, a, it was a, you know, it was a nice gesture by his former head coach at the 49ers to be able to do that. But yesterday, lo and behold, here we go. I saw the report that, that the Raiders had brought him in for a workout. And then I immediately went to Twitter. I was like, can't wait to see the first comment up here. And sure enough, there it was from Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk, basically stating that Colin Kaepernick is a better option at starting quarterback than anything the Seahawks, the Panthers, and the Texans have. Stop. Just st- stop. Can we stop, please? Listen, I understand that this guy was on a roll, talking about Colin Kaepernick. He was on a roll at one point in his career. Got to the, got the, you know, went with the 49ers to a Super Bowl. Was, uh, you know, essentially a five-yard pass away from winning a Super Bowl against the Ravens in that wild game, and had the, you know, the crazy finish and. You know, they threw three consecutive passes, basically the same throw to to Michael Crabtree in the corner of the end zone. He couldn't make any of those throws. Uh, the last one was intercepted. And essentially, after that, things started to go downhill a little bit for Colin Kaepernick. There was racial injustice in this country, as there has been, unfortunately, every day for the last, I don't know, 140 years or so, probably more. Definitely more, okay? Uh, but, you know, since we've, you know, we've had the media and the ability to report on it and stuff, it's a lot more, a lot more you know, well-known. It's, it's, it's in our faces and stuff. So Colin Kaepernick went to, decided to, you know, divert his career a little bit and become more of a, uh, you know, essentially a, a civil rights activist, okay? And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. The, the, the fact that he got blackballed from the end, uh, from the end of uh, the NFL is a palpable one because of his stance and taking the knee, you know, taking the knee during the national anthem and wearing the socks with the pigs on them and all that kind of stuff. Okay. He's certainly been outspoken in his, in his opinions and the things that, you know, he is afforded as being an American here in the United States and freedom of speech and, you know, all that kind of stuff. He, unfortunately, he broke a lot of bylaws in the NFL because when you work for a company like that, that doesn't allow those types of things and you break those rules, you're going to get disciplined for that. Okay. 
the NFL basically said we can't we can't continue to do this any longer, and although it's not public, you know it, it never it, you could never prove it in court, but I think it's safe to say that the majority of the owners in the NFL kind of got together. The NFL may have directed them to or not, can't prove it, but most likely basically said we're going to put a uh, you know put a big red X through Colin Kaepernick. Don't bring him onto your team. Don't bring him onto your field. Uh, you know, don't let him participate. And ever since then, Colin Kaepernick has continued to go on and be a very well known and and respected civil rights activist in his community. And it's you know it's it's understandable. I mean, it's something he's very very passionate about. I think a lot of people. Are, are, are starting to see through. I shouldn't say starting to. We, a lot of people saw through it uh, really, really early on in his uh, in his his venture uh, into civil rights activism. That you know maybe he's a little bit uh, I don't know false in his uh, roots of where he's coming from and the uh, the motives with which he is uh, driven. There's a situation in all of our lives, okay, where we where we realize some success, whether that success is meteoric, whether it's something otherworldly, or whether that success is just on a very, very minor level. And there are times in our lives where, and look, I think a lot of us, and I don't want to say all of us because I don't know everybody, I certainly can say it for myself, speaking for myself, and I know a lot of people who have also been in this same situation where our hubris has overcome our humility. And when you hear things from Colin Kaepernick, when he says things like, um, basically, what, what, did he, what did he say? He said something like, he, he's the one, he's the, he's the reason that Nike made $6 billion. Um, he's talking about how he would be the, the social, the, like the, the social and, um, community, you know, I guess, uh, activist for the NFL, like the NFL needs him, um, that the NFL is more in alignment with his social views recently, and that's why he should be an ambassador for the NFL. Uh, man, <laughs> you know, listen, you, you just you just have to pump the brakes a little bit here. Do you want to be a football player or do you want to be a civil rights activist? Because right now, you are just a civil rights activist. You haven't played football in, in six years. And we all saw that dog and pony show that you put on for the media two years ago in your you know workout with those you know, receivers that you had there and that uh, – you know that was all staged and everything, and I mean, look, that's what that's what the workouts are. We it happens all the time. Pro workouts when teams go to a, to watch a college quarterback, it's all scripted and everything, and that's you know that's part of the deal. But he wasn't impressive in that workout either. So I'm trying to figure out why the Las Vegas Raiders would now go to Colin Kaepernick and say we'd like to bring you in for a workout, and maybe it's because, you know, it, I mean it, it's it's possible that they are just trying to. I guess, break the seal, if you will, on certain things that have gone on in the NFL, the way that they've treated uh, certain players. And maybe, you know, maybe they're trying to look at it as a situation where 
they can be the, uh, the, the, the igniters on a new era in welcoming in people or, you know, I guess, uh, you know, trying to, to make things more racially prevalent, I guess, in the NFL. Although I don't know, you know, they have end racism painted on the fields. You have Black Lives Matter on your helmets. I, I don't know how much more progressive the NFL could be in their stance on ending racism. So I don't think they need Colin Kaepernick's help in that. I'm going to take a timeout. we got plenty more to talk about on this because he said a lot in an interview with I Am Athlete podcast uh, last month that we'll talk about next right here on The Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Look, if Mark Davis wanted to make a splash in the world of basically showing that the individual teams are above the NFL, and I don't think I don't, I'm not saying that's what he's trying to do here with bringing in Colin Kaepernick. He's certainly trying to move some kind of a needle, break the seal, whatever you want to call it, uh, on this particular issue. He should have done it six years ago when he was released, when Colin Kaepernick was released by the San Francisco 49ers. You should have done it then, not now. Now it just looks foolish. It looks it looks desperate, to be honest with you. Desperate to be in in the in the media spotlight. Desperate to be to basically make a claim like, "Hey, look, we here at the Raiders care about racial equality. That's why we're going to give Colin Kaepernick a workout." Just stop. Like we can see through your BS. He can't play football. Not anymore. That's for damn sure. And he wasn't real good at it when he left the NFL to begin with. Listen, I, I, I see it all the time, and it, it makes me laugh. I, I, I was speaking with a close friend of mine who I've mentioned on this show before, is a former, basically the assistant general manager for two separate teams here in the NFC West. He told me that the only reason that Colin Kaepernick was still around in the 49ers organization was because Jim Harbaugh loved him. Harbaugh loved Colin Kaepernick, thought the world of him, and also Jim Harbaugh, a very proud and egotistical human being, uh, wanted to not prove himself wrong when he drafted Colin Kaepernick, uh, you know, basically, you know, in his second year there with the 49ers, wanted to continue to prove that he was right by forcing the issue that Colin Kaepernick was going to be a good quarterback. And even then, Jim Harbaugh basically gave up on him. Had to. Colin Kaepernick said, quote, and this is what he told I Am Athlete podcast last month, that he's willing to start at the ground level, but there's a caveat to that. He says, I know I have to find my way back in. So, yeah, if I have to come in as a backup, that's fine, but that's not where I'm staying. And when I prove that I'm a starter... I want to be able to step on the field as such. So <laughs> he's kind of like reluctantly like, yeah, I guess I'll come in as a backup, but if I'm not going to be your starting quarterback, I don't want the job. Bro, you would be lucky to be a fourth-string quarterback on any team in this league. Just being honest. Good luck with that. And if you're the Raiders you want to sign this dude, good luck with that because this is someone 
who has been flagged in an NFL game for using the N-word in a derogatory manner at another player. Good luck. He's not liked by a lot of people in the NFL, I can tell you that. All right, hour number two coming up. We're going to take a quick timeout. We'll toss it over to ESPN for a Sports Center update, and we'll be back with hour number two. Still a lot more NFL to get into and some Wildcat basketball coming up. Stay tuned here to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. This is ESPN Tucson. 1490 KFFN AM Tucson. K285DL1049 FM Tucson. And KMXC HD4 Tucson.